This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. It's not often your race car turns into a barbecue, but in Darwin, that was the shocking realisation that Tickford Racing was faced with when Cam Waters' car went up in smoke. On Inside Supercars today, we speak to team manager Matt Roberts about how they turned the smoking ruin into a competitive race car overnight. Unfortunately, fires are one of the worst damage to, you know, to try and determine to repair because, you know, fire can actually travel inside componentry that you, you don't actually see what sort of temperature it's um, seen. It was a total loss from basically the firewall forward. Matt Roberts and the methodology of a race car rebuild starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by a man who's flown south for a very heavy weekend, Matt Roberts, team manager at Tickford Racing. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Thanks for having me, Tones and Craig. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back, all for the wrong reasons. Yeah, we um, we had a a bit of a disastrous weekend up in Darwin, but here we are. We'll rebuild and we'll go again for Townsville. Um. As you're fully aware, um, there were a lot of incredulous people that you got the car out on the track on the Sunday after a, a, a debilitating time on Saturday. Um, let's just deal with how, how the thing started sort of thing. Um, and obviously there was a, a shock of the memory of uh, the Grand Prix and James Courtney car. Initially, you must have thought it's the same thing happening again. Yeah, instantly, um, that's right, Tones. We we thought straight away, you know, the same failure mode as um, what happened to JC and, and Nick Perkett at AGP has occurred again and we're, we're, we're all left, you know, a little bit um, bemused and baffled until we actually saw the car. Um, the root cause of the problem was, yeah, it was a, it was a fitting, um, you know, on the, on the engine side, um, you know, no, no one person's at fault. I think you know um, potentially we need to look at the design um, installation of the of the the actual fitting on the engines. Um, you know, we we weren't the only car to have um, you know loose fittings. I know there was other teams um, with a similar sort of uh, loose fitting. Um, you know, look, it's it's hugely um, 
unfortunate and I wouldn't I wouldn't wish it on anyone again. So we, we definitely need to collaborate and um, rectify the problem together. Um, you know, heroic effort from the team to, to rebuild the car overnight. Um, I was actually saying to the team on Sunday evening in our, you know, post race weekend um, debrief, um, you know, what a, a mammoth effort it was to, to pull together. And it was probably one of the worst I've seen uh, in my time of 22 years here at Tickford. Um, and it was just an amazing effort for, by all the guys and girls to, to get that car back out on track and to be as competitive as it was on Sunday. Uh, yes, we didn't quite nail um, Q1 on Sunday morning um, for, for other reasons, but um, certainly the, the speed was back in the car by Q2 and, um, yeah, certainly both races Cam was able to race forward and, um, yeah, we sort of maximised our Sunday. Obviously, we were a little bit hampered, but, um, overall, you know, the, the team responded and, um, you know, we bounced back in, in, you know, true form. Before we go into the methodology of <laughs> the rebuild, can I ask you, we've heard now that other Fords had the same problem with a loose fitting, mm-hmm. but did any of your cars, you, your three other cars, have that loose connector? Yes, we did. We, we we saw one of our other cars um, have a similar, um, you know, it wasn't leaking, but it was uh, it was certainly about to about to go as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, thankfully that those cars didn't um, erupt as well. Um, yeah, it just happened to be you know extremely unfortunate that you know we had that um, issue with with Cam's car and. Yeah, um, it's not something that you 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 want to be talking about. You want to be talking about you know the the team and 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 having you know good fortunes and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard uh, bit of pill to swallow. That's for sure. Yeah, indeed. And for the listener, what we're generally talking about with the fuel connectors is a a male fitting that would be in the you know, in the um, injector manifold, something like that, and yep. then a a connection, a, fe- a female connection that screws onto it, which is normally on a braided hose. Yeah, so you've got um, a dry brake fitting with an adapter um, which screws, and there's another adapter into the fuel rail itself. Um, you know, it's years gone past. We... we at Tickford have a, a slightly different philosophy and a different installation, uh, you know, previously on our, on our cough cars. Um, you know, obviously the, the engine manufacturer, HPE, have decided that, you know, this is how the, the engine's been presented to, you know, supercars and it's been ESD'd and um, approved and track tested and, you know, the, the engines have done, you know, 3,500 kilometres up, up to this date. To this point, uh, so it's it's um, you know it's one of those things that just needs design input. It just needs to be improved. Um, you know, we saw uh, other areas on these cars at Newcastle when you know cars were having front wheel bearing failures and uprights. There's no one person's fault. It's just it's a new design. It's a new element. It you know obviously hasn't done the the rigorous track testing on all the cars and you know. 
sometimes, and unfortunately in our case, we've seen this, um, you know, catastrophic failure and, yeah, we've, we've worn the, the brunt of, uh, you know, almost having a car burned to the ground again for the second time. But obviously the second time round was a different issue for the from the first fires that we saw. Now, we've seen, courtesy of Channel 7, um, footage of uh, the car when it was brought back to the garage. Can you take us through how you go about rebuilding a car, particularly in a very short space of time with so many things that uh, re- required replacement? Yeah, we had to get to work pretty quick. Tones. We tried, attempted to try and go and get the car during the race, but there was um, there was safety cars and other safety cars and other issues going on in the race, so we weren't able to go and get the car as as quick as we would have liked. Um, unfortunately, fires are one of the worst damage to you know to try and determine to repair because you know fire can actually travel inside componentry that you, you don't actually see what sort of temperature it's um, seen. Um, it was a total loss from, you know, basically the firewall forward uh, inside the cabin. We lost quite a few, um, you know, uh, electrical items. So the, the, the damage was extensive. It went into the wheel arches and the wheel tubs. Um, and, you know, I was only saying the other day to, you know, Adrian Burgess that the fireproof, uh, wheel tub lining that they that you know that, that we all applied at Perth actually helped the situation, um, but yeah, unfortunately it was a basically it was a total loss from the firewall forward, and you just imagine um, the amount of work that it had to go into that car to to replace every single item um, forward of the the windscreen basically. So it's a, it was a huge effort. Uh, it certainly drained our spares um, stock and, um, you know, it's not something that we want to be doing uh, week in, week out. But, you know, the team well prepared um, with spares. Um, we had good support from um, Chris Archer and um, DJR were able to help us out with a few things that we didn't um, we didn't have. So, you know, big thank you to those guys and, um, yeah, you know, incredible effort from from the team basically to to work through the day and through the night to you know to get the cars back to a competitive state, um, and that in itself is a huge task these days. We're finding these cars are you know very very sensitive to any any minute setup change, um, and you know to a T the team nailed it. So you know the car was was quick. Um, I alluded before that was. It uh, wasn't quite quick enough in Q1, but we were having um, brake balance issues and bits and pieces. So we um, rectified that for Q2 and the car was back on pace again. So, um, yeah, it was just a huge, huge effort to get that car back out. You've got a highly skilled and talented competitive bunch of girl guys and girls there with you because you've got a four-car team. There's obviously extra yep. people. How do you allocate the people to those jobs? Um, basically, you know, the, the normal car six crew got on with, um, you know, the, the, the turnaround of the car. Um, fortunately the other three cars weren't heavily damaged, um, in race two. They had, had some body work, um, damage and bits and pieces, not a lot of service work. So we, we didn't, um, dilute the, those guys on their cars because, you know, we're trying to maximize performance over the four cars. So we, um, 
those guys sort of got stuck in. We some of them worked through dinner. We alternated, um, and we got um, we got an extension, obviously, to work on work through the night. So once those guys were finished on their car, you know, everyone jumped on onto Cam's car. And there was, you know, I think I counted about fourteen people at one point, um, and uh, it was just all hands on deck: engineers, mechanics, um, I had, even my truckies and tire guys were were there as well. So it wasn't just wasn't just the two or three mechanics on that car was was all hands on deck and obviously um you know it was uh, a big achievement the cars have been designed where you can pull them up from the front firewall and basically leave the the two-thirds let's say just to give it figures sitting there on the jack stands mm-hmm. but i can't imagine that anyone would have had that front assembly or even the parts of the front assembly that you could just pull it off and put it back on so how did you triage what you could reuse what you couldn't use and what was actually available like was it a case that you didn't have components on the car just because there weren't spare parts just to get it running on sunday the the bolt-on um clip um that you're referring to we actually do carry one um it's more for for crash damage there was actually nothing wrong with the clip everything around it was a total loss so from you know brake fluid reservoirs to wiring looms to all your engine bay plumbing air jack plumbing brake lines everything was just completely melted um or your ducting um everything so it, it the one and only thing that was sort of left behind was the you know the the front subframe um suspension hanging um, that was about the only they're the only hard parts that were left. Everything else was completely disintegrated around it. So that's probably what took um, the most amount of our time was deciphering you know how far the damage got to inside the cabin because there was you know obviously everyone saw that there was the flames intruded the the cabin. Um, so you know we we lost engine ECU looms and. Um, much more in internal cabin um, harness as well. So, you know, it was a, an extensive job and it, they're complex cars now. Everything is very tightly packaged and, um, yeah, once we, you know, we got the engine and all the damage out of the way, we could assess and it was basically everything that I mentioned earlier that was, yeah, it was just total loss. It was, yeah, not very pretty. Have you been able to put a figure on the cost of the damage um yeah i mean look we're probably up around the seventy thousand mark at the moment and that's just a raw hard cost so yeah it's and we're still we're still finding parts today you know obviously the cars have only just got back today so we're still finding parts that have um you know because we've changed it because we weren't sure whether it's that was of its integrity that it's actually been, um, you know, it's going to be deemed unusable now. So our, our costs are still um, adding to this day. So, but at the moment, the, the current counts between seventy and 80,000 at the moment. I must say that number is one zero less than I thought it might have been, but I guess that's actually the cost of the car. Um, I believe you had to get a wiring loom from supercars because they're they're just a part that isn't readily available and and supercars were the only ones that had one available 
Yeah, Chris Archer carries a full um, car complement uh, wiring loom in in the in the supercars truck. Um, so and that's and that's part of Chris's contract. Um, yeah, and and to a T, it was all there. I pretty much used it all, <laughs> apart from the rear looms that go to the you know the rear tail lights and whatnot. So. Um, but yeah, everything was there, and and you know we we put it all in and plugged it all in. I think we ran up at you know three a.m. in the morning, and we didn't have any any electrical issues to speak of, and and you know reconfiguring and whatnot. So it was it was all well done. Um, these are the things that you know where all all teams would normally carry that, but you know as a category wide, um, you know everyone's still building spares. Including, you know, including Chris. I know I was talking to him the other day. Like he's still punching out spares and and bits and pieces. So we're all very tight on the spares front. I can I can guarantee you that. Um, you know, manufacturing's it's been a hard slog up until now, including racing and fixing. You know, race accident damage. Um, but yeah, it's just, everything's all very very tight at the moment. Mate, you're heading back to a street circuit now. Townsville's not a traditional like Newcastle or Adelaide, but it is still a street circuit. Uh, are you going to be in a position to be able to repair cars? Have you got enough in stock to put them back out there each day? Yeah, we'll we'll go there. No ill prepared as 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 normal. Like we'll, we'll, we have to have all our spares. Um, you know, the sessions they won't wait for anyone. So you know, if you don't have the spares to repair your car after a practice one or two um, incident or qualifying or race, whatever it might be. Um, unfortunately, the, that green light won't wait for anyone. So, um, you know, our duty to make sure that we, we, we can rebuild our spares, um, you know, the guys and girls will, will work a little bit of overtime. We'll give that time back to the guys, you know, when the trucks are gone. Um, but we, we'll be prepared as we, um, as we would normally be for any race. So... Uh, yeah, suppliers are doing what they can to, to get all the damage componentry, um, you know, to us as quick as they can. Um, and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll make sure it's all there. Well, Matt Roberts, thank you so much for joining us inside Supercars and taking us through the, the trauma and the rebuild of the Cam's car. We hope to see, uh, all, you know, all four of your cars well and truly performing in Townsville and look forward to a time when you guys get the, the win that obviously you deserve fully for that sort of a speed that you had in Cam's car and best of luck to you all coming up in Townsville in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks so much for joining us inside Supercars, Matt Roberts. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Craig. And, yeah, like you said, hopefully the next time I'm chatting to you guys, it's about how how uh, how much we won by. So that's uh, that's a goal that we'll, we'll keep between us, all right? Indeed we will. Thank you much, Matt Roberts. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. 
join Andrew Clark. Would have paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.